Just like to say hello to New Zealand. Uh, why am I doing that? Because I had an email from during the week saying that they've been watching our services. A uh, group of people getting together. So uh, I think it's Dave. Hi. <laughs> Over in New Zealand. I, I hope you're actually watching this one. That would be good. Um, but yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, how um, as people of God, all around the world, God just unites us together. And it's amazing. Like, it's funny, even in preaching in that sometimes, I remember doing a message once on the most obscure verse in the world that I've ever heard, never heard it preached on in my life before. And the very next day, I was listening to a podcast that I'd normally listen to, a guy called uh, Rich Shelton, and exactly the same verse. And I was like, you're kidding me. But as I talk to other pastors, there does seem to be themes that come through. And, um, you know, I, I guess really, uh, as we think about those themes, all of them are really to try and draw us back to relationship with God, right? To get us back to that relationship, even as Matt's talking this morning, you know, like the King Hezekiah is saying, guys, come back, come back to God. Um, this is what you're meant to be doing. Um, so this morning, I'm actually going to be talking about relationships a little bit. Uh, but let's pray first. Father, I thank you that your goodness never ends. Lord, you said that you're good at the beginning and you looked over the creation you made. You said it was very good, yet it got corrupted, Father. Lord, it's not the way it should be now, but Lord, you sent Jesus to restore us back to relationship with you. So we just pray this morning as we gather around your word, we, I just pray, Father, for hearts that are just good soil, that seed can go in, Lord. Even if it's one word today that you speak to us, Lord, just let that grow and produce abundant fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever noticed that relationships do change over time? I was just reflecting on, um, you know, kids especially this week, uh, but also, you know, just think about some relationships between husbands and wives and stuff like that. It's, it's amazing how it can sort of increase, but it can also diminish in different areas, you know, like, and when you're first married, I've been married 28 years now, as you, I think it's 28, <laughs> 28, going up to 29, and um, there's a difference in the way you express yourself in relationships, um, you know, when you sort of first get together, it's like, oh, you're amazing, you're the breath that I breathe, you know, there's, you know, there's nothing wrong, you're the wind beneath my wings, and then it sort of gets to that stage at one one point where the wife's going, well, I don't care if you're the wind beneath my wings, I just want you to take the trash out. That's actually more important to me at the moment. That um, there's, <laughs> it just seems to get like that sometimes, you know, you just can take relationships for granted. You, you don't really look at the person that you're with, and I was thinking about the kids too, you know, the way, you know, when they're young, it's like you come home and it's daddy, and they're running down the driveway, all happy to see you. And then daddy becomes a word they use if they want something when they're teenagers. It's like, daddy, you know, blinking their eyes and putting down their bottom lip. You know they want something, right? It's not the, I'm so glad to see you, or dad, dad. And then it's like, dad, <laughs> rolling eyes. You know, there's all these different things that start to happen. But, you know, I was just thinking about when kids are little, how, I don't know if you've had a niece, nephew, grandkid, kid, whatever it might be, that's a baby. Um, that sort of grabs your face. You know, I mean, they're sort of between that, you know, they're not really baby babies anymore because they can actually use their hands and stuff. But, you know, they're, they're sitting on you, next minute they grab your face and they're tickling your ears and looking in, oh, dad, daddy, and um, dad, you've got a hairy nose. <laughs> <laughs> 
you're thinking this is a precious moment and, and what they're looking at is your face and just gathering information about who you are. And I remember reading stuff about how babies pick up so much stuff from our facial expressions and you know that's true, right? And people, you know, we're so dumb when it comes to babies, you know, we put on these funny faces, like that, and we're thinking, is that what they think people are like normally? <laughs> Imagine doing that at your business meeting when you come in, you know, like, and um, it's, it's like this reflection of the face that they look at, they look at the facial expressions, they, they work out who you are and, and the moods and everything that, that come because they're looking at your face and actually beholding it and actually is a really precious time you know when your kids do grab your face like it's just beautiful you know they just it's like they're touching and feeling tickling your ears whatever it be but they're actually looking at you and it's like they're gazing into the person's eyes that they love they're looking to see who they really are you know who is my dad who's my mum who's my auntie my uncle whatever it might be that there's this there's something inside of them that says, I really want to get to know who you are. And the same with husbands and wives, you know, like, like I said, you know, you can take those things for granted, like um, when you're first together and you gaze in <laughs> into each other's eyes and you're lost in each other's love. And, and then later on, it's like, what are you looking at? <laughs> you're like, Stop staring at me. <laughs> but it's not, it's not always like that. It's not always like that. But there, there, there is that difference, you know, where you're getting to know someone and, and see them and see their heart. And as you get more mature in your relationship, that should be the case. You know, I think about Joanne now and, and you know how people sometimes say, oh, you know, the passion dies. I don't think it dies. It just changes. It's much deeper now. You know, like the, the rivers that run deep, they run really slowly. Yeah, they're putting out great volumes of water and they're carving deep channels. And the rivers that run fast are usually shallow and they're just on the surface and, you know, lots of excitement and bubbles, but that ends. And so with relationship, it's the same thing. And I really want to look at relationship over the next sort of, I don't know how long, a few weeks, but why, why do I want to do that? Because I just look at how messed up things are with relationships. I remember listening to a guy um, and uh, he, he's written a book, Gordon MacDonald, building below the waterline but also he did a tape series on it about how when he used to pastor a church when he was younger he said you could actually be quite certain that people would walk in that understand relationships pretty well you know they'd know about marriage and commitment and faithfulness to one another they'd know that you're meant to be polite and kind to people and you know even if they come from a background that knew nothing about God there's still this sense that there's relationships that are important and then today I look at relationships and I'm wondering what's it like. When I was a kid, um, I don't know what marriages are actually like. Then I can assume that they're probably still bad in a lot of cases. But the divorces that were in the class was, you know, was really unusual. You know, uh, you'd have one or two kids in the class that maybe their mum and dad weren't together and it was almost like, that's strange. That's different. That's unusual, as uh, Kath would say. And... Yet today, if, when I was a chaplain at the school, I was in, a, in the classroom and it's like, you ask the question, oh, where do you live? Uh, one week I live in Wanguri, the next week I live in Palmerston. You know, there's this sort of like, okay, and, and yet it's not uncommon. You, you go through the class and there's four or five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, half the class, maybe even more, that 
the relationships of family had broken down. And we can't just assume that we know how to do relationships. People don't know how to do them. They don't know how to confront people well. They don't know how to um, deal with difficult situations. You can get fired by text. You can get dumped by text. Um, you know, I don't love you anymore. Two years, see you later. Never want to see you again. There's this whole sense that actually let's disconnect um, through these sorts of social media means, which is really disheartening to me. To, to think that, you know, relationships can be so broken, yet that's not what God wanted. And so Amelia was reading to us from Genesis, and it talks about how God made humans, and it said in his own image, he said, let's make them in our own image. And when he looked, he said, it's very good. There's this completeness in what he'd made. There's a wholeness in the world. There was relationship that was good. Um, even between Adam and Eve at that time, it was like so good. He said, he blessed them and, and said, go and multiply. He gave them this mission together, go and multiply, subdue the earth. Let, let's fill the earth with God's goodness. And I don't think that that mission has changed for us as Christians. That God is saying, you go, reproduce in this earth, fill the earth with God's goodness. We know the relationship was broken when Adam and Eve were disobedient to, to God and um, they didn't walk how he wanted them to walk. And I wanted to just sort of today just challenge us about how our relationship with God is. And I wanted to talk about a guy called Moses and the way that his relationship was with God because there's a really special uh, verse that when I read it, it just reminded me of our children looking into our face, you know, grabbing us, holding us, and beholding us for no other reason that we're there and to build that connection that, that is so needed. And I feel that for us as Christians, obviously we have to start there, don't we? Like before I was a Christian, I needed God in my life. I was so bad. I needed God. I was a sinner. I was... I was not listening to him. My life was broken. I had no hope. That's what the Bible says. Without Jesus, there is no hope. And then I learned about the message of the cross, which was that Jesus died for me to forgive my sins, to restore me to life and fullness. And all of a sudden, my heart grabs hold of that. And it's like, what was important about that time? God wanted relationship with me. He wanted relationship with me. In fact, he wanted it so much that he was willing to give his son up and Jesus was willing to give up everything that he had in heaven to come down to earth. The glory that was in heaven, he gave it up. He had everything as the son of God in heaven was made in human form and came to earth. And it says he gave up all his privileges to come down so that we could be restored in fellowship with God. That ministry, what he called of reconciliation. And that's a big word thrown around today but reconciliation cannot take place without that change of heart without the love of God really penetrating deeply into our soul how can things be reconciled and so while this was all broken and and everything and and then we we got hold of Jesus and we knew that the whole point of Jesus was so that I could be with God the relationship the, the, the coming together of two people that were separated. Me from God, God from me, that there was that, what it talked about is like a, a, an enmity, which is like a, something that 
pushes us apart and aggressiveness almost towards one another, that we cannot have that fellowship. And Jesus came and broke it. And he made peace between us and God and between what he said, the Jews and the Gentiles back then. So in other words, God's chosen people and the rest of the world. But he died that we could all become one, that we could be in the family of God. Again, that, that picture of family, relationship, that it's, it's not just you know, a casual acquaintance that we have, but this deep friendship that we can have with God. And we lose it sometimes, don't we? As Christians, we lose it because we get caught up in all these other things. You know, the technicalities of our faith, uh, just like the Pharisees looking at the dots and the, the crosses and making sure they're all in the right space and making sure we've done everything right. And we forget that our whole Christian life is based on relationship. And because of that relationship, because I gaze face to face with God, I begin to change. You know that's true because the person that you spend the most time with, you become like them, don't you? You can see your kids change if you've had kids or you can see you change as they hang around different groups of friends. They change because of who they're with. We change because of who we're with. And if we're going to change, we want to be changed into the likeness of God, don't we? Because we know that God is perfect, God is love, and from him everything that is good and perfect flows. And if we can just gaze into his face as Christians, that can change us. Because who I spend time with is who I become like. Just like the child is grabbing hold of your face and looking at you, they're starting to mimic your facial expressions, they're, 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 they're starting to see what is happening, we begin to mimic the face of Jesus on this earth can't help but do it. So let's go to our verses. Um, the first one's in Exodus. That doesn't look right. <laughs> Shall I just read? <laughs> right, Matt's going to rescue you. We're going to be going looking at Exodus 33 anyway. If, you, if you've got your Bibles, make sure you go there and have a look. And it's, it's a story about Moses. <laughs> All right. So Exodus chapter 33, verse 7 to 11. It was Moses' practice to take the tent of meeting and set it up some distance from the camp. We'll talk about that in a minute. Everyone who wanted to make a request of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up and stand in the entrance of their own tents. They would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. As he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover at its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. When the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow down in front of their own tents. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Afterward, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. So the tent of meeting was set up by Moses, um, and it was his own tent, after a really bad time as the Israelites were going through the desert. And Moses, Moses knew that he needed to have this place where people can have a relationship with God, so he set up his tent, and off he would go, and as he went towards that tent, it says the people would come out because they'd see the glory of God, the protection of God coming down. 
in the story of Exodus, which is in the Bible, when Israel was led out of Egypt, it talks about this pillar of cloud by day and, and the fire by night. And it was a sign of God's protection from the sun and from the, the cold of the desert and things like that. And the presence of God hung around that tent. And for us, it means that we have to start to think about how we approach that relationship with God. Moses set it up because he knew there's a place that people needed to meet God, but it was a place where you would withdraw. So are we withdrawing to get alone with God, that we would get into his presence, that his presence would be there, just as the cloud came down, it was signaling his presence, that people could see that we're not in the tent, that God was moving. But even more importantly, it talks about this meeting of Moses and God, where it says, God talked to Moses as a friend, face to face. Another person in the Bible was called God's friend, that was Abraham. Um, the Bible says that he was God's friend. Why? Because he was in faith, in relationship with God. And sometimes we forget that we can actually be God's friends, that we can actually do what he wants, we can love him the way we're meant to do, but we need to make sure that we are in that place where we are seeking God to know his face, not just his facts, not just his figures, but his face. Where we give up this, this quest for knowledge of things and turn to a quest for the knowledge of him for himself. That he is the greatest reward that a Christian can ever have. Knowing God and being his friend. And, and sometimes we think, well, that's not really possible, you know, because we're his servants. Yes, we are his servants. But when we look at another chapter that when Jesus was speaking to his disciples, we see that, that in our Christian walk there has to be this transfer from being slaves or servants to being friends. Because what happens is that if I'm a slave, what gets revealed to me? Just what I'm being told to do. Neil, go and pick up that bucket. Neil, do this. Neil, do that. And that's the relationship that many of us seem to have with God, that we always think it's about what we can do for God, what, what he wants us to do, the, the next message, the next order from God, because I'm his slave, I'm his servant, and I'm just going to do what he wants. And that's a good thing, don't get me wrong. But I'm wondering if, if you personally have transitioned yourself from that to being a friend, what is the difference? A friend knows. A friend has conversation with. A friend is not ordered around, but is invited into this conversation and the life of the person that they're with. Is that how you feel your Christianity is? That, that you're not just this person running around doing God's will and making sure you keep his laws and do everything right, and then perhaps he'll accept you. If you come to the understanding that God wants far deeper relationship with you, that he wants you to be his friend. He wants you to gaze as it is like that baby and grab his face and look into his face, soak him in and just enjoy who he is. To just bask in the love of God. See, and there's people that are wandering around with fear and anxiety and, and worry and care, but God says that perfect love casts out all fear. And what else does the Bible say? God is love. 
And so we're trying to get love by works instead of enjoying the relationship with God and letting that love soak through into our heart and into our soul. And because we're doing all these other things, we forget that we're not in that perfect love of God because the perfect love of God has brought us to this place where we don't fear judgment because we know his heart for us. We don't have to run around doing good things because we're scared God will do something bad to us if we don't. We just run around being him to this world and naturally we live in love and move in love and do the right things and love people because this is what Jesus commanded. Can you just go to that next verse? I think it's Numbers. (laughs) And this is the difference. We can even get stuck in prophecy, right? The gifts of God. Let's say the gifts of God. So we think about prophets and and how God speaks and and we can make a big deal of dreams and visions and prophecies which are excellent and they're from God. But when God talked about Moses, it was quite different. He said, the Lord said to them, now listen to what I say, if there were prophets among you, I, the Lord, would reveal myself in visions. I would speak to them in dreams, but not with my servant Moses. Of all my house, he is the one I trust. I speak to him face to face clearly and not in riddles. He sees the Lord as he is, so why were you not afraid to criticise my servant Moses? So that last little bit of the passage gives us a bit of an indication that there's something happening at the time. There's a big uprising against Moses and God came in and he said, you guys are not understanding anything. Moses is different. I can reveal myself to the prophets in dreams and visions, I can give them a word, but but you don't understand what I'm actually really looking for. I'm looking for this relationship. And this is what I have with Moses. So they were speaking against this person that God counted as a friend. God wasn't very happy about it. But the point is that sometimes we are like this. We, we, we hear a verse that someone throws out there, I cannot see, ear has not heard what God has for us. The ways of the Lord are way too much to understand. We can't understand it. That is true. But listen to this. The Bible also goes on to say, but by his spirit he has revealed these things to us. If we think we cannot ever understand or know God or be his friend or receive communication from him in a relationship way, we are going to rob ourselves from the precious prize of actually knowing what God wants. And there are mysteries, believe me, like our wisdom, the greatest wisdom that we all have, even combined if we put all our heads together and somehow mashed our brains into one another, the power that's in those brains is like a speck of dust compared to how amazing God is. But we have to be confident that as a Christian, as someone who's born again, that has the Spirit of God inside of us, that God actually really wants to speak to us. That he doesn't want to just speak to us in riddles, but clearly. You know how we we often go through life, and I've heard so many people, and not criticism, just observation. They're in a place and... Maybe sometimes things aren't going right or whatever it might be, but oh, the Lord must have us here for a reason. Five years later, the Lord must have us here for a reason. 
God's got you there for a reason. He's not going to hide it from you. He's not going to make it unclear. He's, he's going to show you why you're there. And sometimes it's like, well, why don't you just seek him? If you need to know the reason, you better find out what it is. Because if you're there for five years and then you leave without never finding the reason, what's the point? But what's the point? Find out God's heart by starting to seek his face. If there is a reason you're there, maybe it's whatever it might be, God wants to reveal it to you. But sometimes we think we've got this God that plays hide and seek with us. You know, I just want to know what God wants me to do, but he hasn't shown me yet. That may be true, but you can walk in what he has shown you already. There are things in the future that he wants you to do. But there's a thousand things that I can read in the Bible right now that tell me how I should be living my life. The things that I should be doing on a daily basis, the, the base kind of things, which is sort of like what Peter, Peter talked, to about us, talked to us about last week. The requirements that Jesus put on was give someone a glass of water. Feed them if they're hungry. If they're cold, give them your jacket. Simple things. And this is how God's kingdom works. He says, if you're faithful in the little things, you'll be faithful in much and I'll give you more to do. Stop looking for that big thing, thinking that God's hiding it. No, God does not play hide and seek with us. He plays this other game called seek and find. He hasn't hidden from us. He has revealed himself to us and we're to take advantage of that relationship. The face to face. Find him. Seek him. And you will what? Find. We need to understand that because when we're in a place of thinking that God just won't reveal stuff, he's not really wanting me to know things, we are still in a place of a servant, not a friend. And we'll look at that verse in just a second. And then we think, well, as, I, as we start, actually, let's put that verse up, please. This is Jesus speaking. John chapter 15, verse 15 and 16. He's talking to his disciples. Now, we understand that they started out Jesus' words were, follow me, and they just dropped everything, followed him. They saw something in him, but they didn't really know who Jesus was. They spent three years walking around with him, ministering with him, growing in faith and knowledge and all those sorts of things and, and changing relationships. Changing relationships. So John 15, 15 to 16, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends. Since I've told you everything the Father told me, you didn't choose me, I chose you, I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Can you see the transition that takes place? Jesus is saying there's a difference between a slave and a friend. How do you become friends with someone? You spend time with them. You begin to share a journey together. And you begin to live with them. Do life with them. And so it is that we're called to live that way with God, not as servants, but as his friends. People that, that have grabbed hold of who God is and we start to live that out. As Jesus is saying here, do everything. Since I've told you everything, I think I must have missed some verses here. I'll read them out. Maybe not. 
John 15, 14. <laughs> okay, this is why it looks a bit different. 14 to 17. If we look at verse 14 before this, it says, You are my friends if you do what I command. Okay, that's not on there. Sorry about that, guys. And then it starts going into, I no longer call you slaves because you're my friend. And what we can do sometimes is read a verse like that and go, oh, maybe I'm not God's friend because I don't do what he commanded. I'm looking at all the rules and regulations, the laws, the do's, the don'ts that I need to do, so obviously I can't be his friend. Have I got the rest of that verse there? Is there another slide? No. Okay, at the end of this, to make it very clear to us, what Jesus is actually commanding us to do, do you want to know what this is? Do you want to be his friend? <laughs> do you want to have this relationship with him where he says, you know what, I'm confiding in you? Jesus is talking to you? This is my command, are you ready? Love each other. That's it. So he starts and sandwiches this, this stuff in the middle. The start is... You're my friends if you do it, I command, and then he sandwiches this in the middle, and then he makes it very clear at the end. This is my commandment. Love each other. Well, can't it be a little bit more difficult? Surely, God, there's a bigger challenge than that. No, there's not. Love each other. That's it. So if we want to be God's friends, what do we have to do? Love each other. Love God. Love each other. And this is why our Christian faith comes back to one thing, relationship. Every single time. First of all, our relationship with God, but then it's going to extend into our relationship with each other and with the world around us. Christianity is not complex. It's about a God who created male and female and he created them for fellowship and it talks about how he used to walk with them in the cool of the evening and have that close fellowship with them. And Jesus came because that was broken when we sinned. And he became the one who took the curse so that we could be free and be restored to relationship with God. If you want to complicate your Christianity, go right ahead. But this is it. Relationship with God, restored. Relationship with people, restored, as you follow after him. And so the challenge I'm going to give us today is this. Are you seeing God's face? Are you seeing his face? Are you grabbing hold of him? because we are now welcomed into his presence through Jesus. We're grabbing hold of him and seeing his face. As you gaze into his face, are you being transformed into the likeness of God? Because no matter what we say, no matter how good we think we are, the transformation in our life can only come because we have a relationship with him, not because we follow a list of rules. Father, I just want to thank you for your goodness. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you did decide to send him. 
And I pray this morning that you would open up our hearts to that relationship with you. Lord, that we would put aside our fears, our worries, our anxieties, our thinking that you don't want to do with us and come to you. Lord, we thank you that you transform us daily as we gaze into your face. And I just pray for each one of us here this morning that we would do that, that we would look into your face, Lord, and that we would be transformed into your image. Help us to understand that we are able to enter into friendship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, it may be that you're not even a Christian this morning. You've come here and you're like, I don't know why I'm at church, but I'm here. This is the message of the cross for you. You are in need of a saviour. You have sinned. You have fallen short of God's glory. You haven't met up to his expectations. But here's the great news for you. Jesus did it for you. You will never meet up to God's expectations, but Jesus did. And he became a sacrifice for you so that you can have a relationship restored with God. How do you receive it? You ask him into your life. You confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You understand that God raised him from the dead. He went on the cross, hung there and took your sin. But after he was dead, he was buried and God raised him again to new life. Your sin was dealt with by Jesus and it can never be dealt with by you. And it's a matter of faith to believe that he did that for you. This morning I'm just going to give you an opportunity to just pray with me. I'll just pray, you pray along. You might have come with a friend this morning that's a Christian, you're not. And you're going to invite Jesus into your life today. I'm going to encourage you to talk to your friend and say, hey, I prayed with that guy at the front. I asked Jesus into my life. Can you help me? What's my next steps? How do I get this relationship? Or you can come and see me. I'll be up the front at the end of our church. We pray at the front at the end if you want prayer for anything. And come up. Or you can even fill out that green card and just say today, tick the back box, put your info. I made a decision to follow Jesus. I, I can't remember what it is. I made a commitment to Christ today. Tick that box and I'll give you a call during the week. We'll talk about what you did today. If that's you this morning, that you just know you need to ask Jesus into your life. You feel that you just need God. That's going to get you to pray with me as I pray. And just pray with me and believe and ask him into your life today. Father God, I just want to thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he died on the cross for me. I thank you that he rose again. I thank you that he died to forgive my sin. This morning, I just want to ask you into my life. I'm so sorry that I've had a broken relationship with you. This morning, I ask that you would restore that, that I might, from this day on, live for you. In the name of Jesus, amen.